Okay. So thanks for being here. For, this is our last Wednesday of The Rock. Um, but as you will have noticed, our new Wednesdays are of, in all their various forms, whether it's uh, fellowship or raise a glass or, um, or yeah, in deeper engage or whatever, will go under the, the name of IQ, which works wonderfully well. As of course, a lot of you will be aware that uh, IQ is what is used to measure intelligence. Uh, yeah. So it has a great connection with information and intelligence, but I think the intelligence of the kingdom is wisdom. Uh, hence, our uh, Claire has done a beautiful job on uh, changing our signage. And of course, now we have the uh, we have the baobab tree, and uh, wisdom is like a baobab tree. No one individual can embrace it, and uh, that's part of our ethos. It's part of who we are as Q. And of course, if you remember when we talked about the Baobab, it's called the Upside Down Tree. It's also called the Tree of Life. And uh, it's the one tree that looks as though it's been stuck in the ground upside down so that, so that its roots are exposed. And that, I mean, that one thing that, of course, Kev Craven um, was the one who really <clears throat> put us onto that at a time when it just kept coming up, coming up, coming up, uh, which we felt was a great description of... Uh, of who we are and where we're heading as a house, and uh, so we thought that would be a good reminder, and also to encourage us that what, not one individual can embrace this. So what, what we're about, we still believe that uh, wisdom is gleaned from the many, not from the one, and uh, that's why we'll keep an open spirit and weigh things and talk about things, but, uh, but move our conversation and calling forward. So, uh, yeah, so let's just pray. Father, just help us tonight uh, just to receive what we need to receive and see what we need to see and uh, uh, stretch ourselves into what we need to stretch into at these uh, exciting times for us in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so we thought um, tonight, uh, next Wednesday, I'd probably like to teach something that Chris and I were talking about um, while we were in Salt Lake this last time. So next Wednesday, I think I'm going to take a teaching session. Um, but tonight, as we were kind of just coming back after the Christmas break, and um, of course in the transition week coming up to uh, uh, going from the Rock to Q, we felt it would be probably a good time just to share a little bit of the peripheral things that are going on. Um, I do believe that this journey is a, is a God journey as well as a good journey. Uh, it, um, as I've explained to you before, is not something that's been plucked out of the air thinking, well, you know, what kind of new idea or scheme can we have? I really believe this is a, a God-given revelation that, um, that we are pursuing. And um, uh, now having said that, uh, it... It is also in some measure scary because um, um, the, the, the thing about faith is interesting because uh, more is talked about faith when faith is not needed than he's ever talked about faith when faith is needed because then we start talking about our fears instead of our faith. 
because when nothing's happening, when there's no need to stretch, when every need is met, when everything can be rationalized and planned, there is absolutely no need for faith. Faith is obsolete. And uh, it's, it's not wrong, but for many parts of our life, faith is actually not necessary because we can see the way through, we plan it, we use our common sense, we get through. And uh, the problem with that is that when we do find ourselves in areas of faith, uh, we A, find out whether we have any, uh, and B, we find out if we do have some, kind of what is the, uh, what is the context and quality of of, of that faith, and uh, how, how equipped are we for encouraging ourselves not to be afraid when we face the impossible and when there's every reason to be afraid. So, you know, when Jesus said, fear not, it wasn't because there's nothing to be afraid of. It was fear not, because fear is not the appropriate response if you are going to come through this. And there are a lot of frightening things in life, and... Um, uh, in ministry and, and as you build a church, as you develop a ministry, there can be lots of things that sound wonderful when you say them from the, from the platform, you know, and then the hard realities of, of what's going to be necessary for that to happen bite home and you realize we, we need something beyond ourselves. We need, we need miracle. Um, we, need, we need God with us and showing himself for us and among us because lots of this we can't we can't plan. So um, I invite you to be on this journey of faith. Um, I, I, over recent years, have been somewhat troubled um, because there was a certain pressure within certain streams that I've walked with and people that I've known that you, should, you must have a 10-year plan. Well, I've hardly got a 10-day plan, never mind a 10-year plan. And the problem is you could be intimidated by that, thinking, well, you know, I'm supposed to have one. Then you start inventing stuff, or what you do is you make a plan for things that you could do and are possible and can be outworked, rather than saying, okay, God, this, we, we just, we're going to be sensible in, in making arrangements for what we can see, but we are going to leave a big wide open space for that which we can't see, that which we don't know. And uh, we're going to let that be our guide. We're going to let that be our influence. So, um, you know, we, we again are on some areas that are ice-breaking. Um, our message is not popular. Um, you know, and I could justify that to myself by saying Jesus' message wasn't popular and Paul's message. And some of those are self-justification to make, to make me feel better. Um, but the truth is, it's not popular. And uh, as I said to you last week, when, when we started doing some of the things we were doing and called it Rock City, it would now not be seen as anything new, but at the time, nobody was doing it. And, and you take flack for that. You don't get praise, but we took criticism. And in fact, uh, some of the people who've used that best to their advantage came and spied on us, but wouldn't support us and help us and then stole our stuff and uh, have done pretty well out of it, which is okay. Because uh, one of the principles of icebreaking is that icebreakers are making a path for other ships to follow. And if, if, if you can't accept that, then you, you're never going to settle to be in an icebreaker because you don't do it for yourself. You do it for what will follow. 
So I do believe in, in the challenges that we have proposed in terms of even uh, what we would call our doctrinal stance and the basis of our belief. Uh, that these are important journeys that we're making. There's some important ice that we're breaking. And uh, we don't have all the answers, but that's good. Um, but God is helping us and we've moved along and we're, we're formulating and, and understanding what, what these things are that are being unfolded. So I thank you for being part of that. And of course, the, the move to Q is, is the recognition of where we have come and where we're going. So, you know, the... the the interesting thing is all the little detailed things that have happened that have confirmed uh, our steps as we've gone along. And some of those we've already shared with you, <clears throat> so I'm not going to go over some of that uh, old ground, but uh, I just wanted to encourage you by saying it continues, it just keeps happening. And um, I wanted to just backtrack story a little bit, and then I'm going to let Chris say some things um, uh, also tonight on the on the back of this, uh, because of course we've got uh, we've got this this Salt Lake City thing going on and emerging at the moment, which, as I've also said to you before, you know, changing the name of the church and and kind of focusing on that direction while attempting to do anything else, most people would say is absolutely stupid, and they'd probably be right. Uh, except for the fact that we know it's God and we know that actually these are not separate things that are happening. This is one thing that is happening that has many different facets. So let, let, me, let me run you back to 2014 because um, uh, we first felt something was going to be connected to this in Salt Lake City back in 2013. So it's, it's been a, a quite a long journey. In 2014... Um, when I was there, was the first time I had sought to look up some people to investigate what churches were there, what was happening uh, in that arena, and um, I wasn't greatly encouraged then, and I'm still not greatly encouraged by what I've seen, which <clears throat> might sound critical, but then in one hand it needs to be, because uh, you realize how in a heavily dominated Mormon culture, which which has relied on a very legalistic gospel and very papalistic authority, most of the churches that think they're radical uh, simply have replaced the Mormon president with the pastor and have replaced the legalism of Mormonism with the legalism of, of evangelicalism. And it's not radical at all. It, you know, it has some, some looser structures of song and... And, and, and practice than you would see in the Mormon church, but, but actually it's not that different. There's no real essence of freedom. So, so when I first started looking into what was happening there, um, I, I went to a couple of churches and I met with a couple of guys. Now, <clears throat> let me clarify on that, that uh, I am not for one minute suggesting that there is a lack of sincerity in the leaders there, because that would be absolutely wrong. There's some incredibly sincere men, nor am I questioning the genuineness of their love for God, because that, that's not what we're talking about. These are wonderful men and women who absolutely love God and are extremely sincere. What has also uh, interested me is over the last, um, uh, last four or five years of going in there is to realize that 
that there are, uh, are many people in leadership in the Mormon church who you cannot question their sincerity or the genuineness of their love for God. However they interpret that, you could not accuse them of being without sincerity and without a, a genuine love in the context. And that's been an interesting journey for me to, to see where sometimes you have to connect is not on the level of sincerity or, or genuineness it's a deeper level. It comes on the level then of understood truth. And, and of course, what I believe is at the core of that is actually not understanding the Bible, but actually understanding the character and nature of God. And then we look at the Bible through the character and nature of God. And, and that really is where the problem is in all of these things and where we think we have something to contribute to the, to the journey out there. <coughs> but when I was out there in... in 2014, it was interesting how, how God was already stirring things because, you know, he, I, I would like to say I'm such a man of faith and revelation that every step of the way I've just known this is what you do and this is what's going to happen and nothing could be further from the truth. Um, we, Matt, Matt Roberts at Genesis Project, which I've talked to you about before up in Ogden, Utah, he mentioned something that really hit me between the eyes um, the first Sunday that Chris and I were out there and we went across to, to their meeting. And he quoted a verse that I'm familiar with that says, Your word, O Lord, is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And what he said was very simple, but it was, it was important for me in the moment because he said there are times when, when you have the word that lights the path. So that means you can see the path in front of you. He says, but there are times when the word is only a lamp unto your feet, which means all you can see is the little bit that you're, you're walking on at that time. <clears throat> and quite a lot of this journey, um, and, and, and a lot of our journey at, at this time, is, has been more lamp unto your feet than it has light unto your path. And, um, <clears throat> and so each step along the way... Um, I have needed, and I think, you know, on a corporate level, we've needed things to, to speak to us and lead you, act like, onto the next little thing. But I didn't mention this um, because I didn't want to scare anybody at the time. <clears throat> but 2014, I'm, I'm Googling for churches, and lo and behold, I find a rock church, and lo and behold, that rock church meets at 6.45 on a Saturday, which, um, you know, you can imagine, there are little connections like God saying, I'm with you, I know you're here, I've got this. Now, um, I have to say, this is on tape, but, um, yeah. Uh, th that was about as much as I would want to pursue down that avenue, is just to know that, just put it that way, okay. Um, and I did try my best. Um, but that then connected me to this other church I've also mentioned called K2, which is, you know, it came out of a church called Kensington in Troy, Michigan. So this was K2, named after Kensington. It was one of their pastors that came there. And uh, K2 had a little bit more going for it. Um, and it's a, it's a pretty good church in the context of what it is. It's not my thing. It's not where we're at in our thinking. But uh, Dave Nelson, the pastor, nice guy. I've met with him two or three times but what was interesting is my looking for something, of course, my eye was going to be drawn to Rock Church. 
But in being drawn to Rock Church, when I went to that, they shared the site with K2. So that then pointed me to K2. So from finding the rocket met at the same time on the same day that we did, I find they're on the same campus as, as K2, and K2 let them use part of their facility. Uh, and so I then am reading K2 stuff, and obviously finished up going having a look at K2, but this is, this is the first thing I read <coughs> in 2014 when, when um, I, through that process, found myself on K2's website. Now, I think you'll see why this is uh, potentially, why it would touch me straight away and why maybe I wasn't so keen to mention this in the meantime. What would happen, this is what was written on the website, what would happen if you dared to let go? Releasing your grip on life and placing it all, dreams, relationships and priorities into the hands of God. Sometimes in mountaineering, the climber must entirely release his grip on the rock and fully commit his energy to the attainment of another ledge. For a brief moment, he grasps nothing, a risk he must take to move on to ascend. So I think you can, you can kind of gather how impacting that was to me. And of course, the struggles that caused for me in 2014... Um, as to whether we were being led away from the rock. Um, you know, because how do you take it? You, gotta, you must entirely release your grip on the rock and fully commit to attain the other ledge if you want to. Now, uh, obviously in the meantime, I do not believe that in any way that was an indicator to let go of the rock in the sense of Chris and I being here. However, if you put that with the first sentence, what would happen if you dared to let go? Releasing your grip on life and placing it all, dreams, relationships, and priorities in the hand of God. Those two statements connected together of a sense that if we at all as people were going to move forward, then, then perhaps my grip on the rock, and, and I don't think it means that in the sense of being a dominant leader, controlling leader because I, I, I don't think I am that by nature or have been that but when you've been in this and part of this and built this and given your life to this and poured your finances into this and your energies and your efforts and pretty much sacrificed your family to get to where you are you know um, even the thought of letting go is not you know and again you know getting to a certain age as well that becomes even more you know um, would you do that? So I found myself wrestling with this challenge of, if I had to, would I? Uh, and if I did, what did that mean? And what were the implications of that? Because in some way, God was saying that, that as mountaineering, as climbers, unless, unless there was an entirely release your grip on the rock that you couldn't attain the other ledge because you have to fully commit. And of course, this bit, again, is, is worth a mention. For a brief moment, he grasps nothing. You know, it's that bit between holding on here and grabbing there, but they're too far apart to hold them both at the same time. So you have to take a risk if you're going to move on, if you're going to ascend, of, of that horrible bit in the middle where you let go of one and you, you grab hold of the other. So, so that, was, that was forming... Um, 
uh, a direction in my heart and spirit about what I was prepared to do personally. And I think what Chris and I were prepared to do, she's a lot more daring than me anyway. Um, and of course, it, it, it's within that kind of canvas. You know, if you think of Claire um, here, didn't, you know, that didn't all happen just because she got one brush and went like that. Um, if, you, if you saw it on Saturday, <clears throat> you would see that, that all you had on there was all the colours, all the background was on. Uh, and the background had gone onto the, onto the, the colour of the wall. So the picture was emerging, okay, and she's kindly been in this week. And now, now we have some image to look at. We have some words that we can have context to. But it didn't all happen at one. It's once. It's like a painting on a canvas begins to emerge. And, and our journey to where we are and where we are going um, is still that canvas onto which we are still painting which we're still creating, which we still stand back and have a look and realize things need adding in, things might need taking out. Uh, and so it was with this journey that, that Salt Lake being connected to where we were heading. Of course, Q wasn't even in my mind at, at this time. That wasn't... So, um, in one sense, it was a little scarier because I couldn't see where we were heading here, but there's all these challenges about there but, but in God's view, it was all connected and all ready to be revealed that there was more going to be painted on the canvas. Uh, and so last March, you know, God paints Q on the canvas of my heart and you start making sense. You think, I get it. So we are changing. We are becoming something. This is who we are becoming. This is, this is not separate to that. This is part of that picture. Um, and so it reminded me then of, uh, of a little story I've also told you. I had the dream about... Um, about the fork in the road in Nesborough where, where one of the roads goes off to, into the Dales, you know, to uh, Pateley Bridge and, uh, and down there. And the other one goes around and takes you off to, to Harrogate. And I had this very, very uh, clear dream. And, uh, and as I was at that junction, I heard God speak very clearly. Um, I had a decision to make, and the decision was about Again, in the context of what I've just read to you, imagine how I take the words at that time. You can stay and be blessed, or you can go and be a blessing. So this, this is all riding on the back of this emerging picture. Okay, You've got to let go of the rock if you want to attain a new height. You can stay and be blessed, or you can go and be a blessing. Here's the crossroads. And the number of times we've been to that crossroads, and there's a a dozen stories around that, uh, which is fascinating. I even called Chris one day about something to do with that. And lo and behold, she's at a spa right there on that crossroads at the time when I called her to talk to her. I mean, it's, it's how these things are used just significantly. Um, so again, tying that with this first thing, do I go? Do I stay and be blessed, knowing that, hey, we could carry on, we will be blessed? Or do you go and be a blessing now, of course, the question then, is that an absolute question that God is asking? Is letting go of the rock, literally letting go of the rock completely? Uh, but then, of course, as the picture has begun to emerge, I realize that, that, that um, letting go of the rock is less about us totally leaving here as it was letting go of what the rock has been as a vehicle to bring us to this place. 
uh, and having the courage to say we are letting go of that in order to take hold of this new thing here. And I don't know how that will work, you know. Uh, we've talked about the fact of there can always be some people who think, well, I joined the rock and this is not the rock now, so that's me. You know, I'm done. And that, that could happen and can happen. Um, all of those kind of things come into the equation, but it's that little bit between where you have to let go and we're trying to find what this is and, and it might look different and it might feel different and we, you know, in terms of format for Sunday, um, uh, I would say some of the direction we're going is not my preference. Uh, but since when did the life of the world depend on my preference? Um, and, and that has been the bugbear of, of, of the Christian community for generations. It's not my preference, therefore this is what I prefer. Without having a sense of, it's actually not about what I prefer, it's about how do we bring our faith and belief and our emerging knowledge of God into, into environments and vehicles and methods and ways that best communicate that, as I said on Sunday, where, where our responsibility is not to the past, our responsibility is to the future. And uh, I would also say that historically we have been very good at that. Um, you know, I'd say to you guys over here particularly, um, most of the people that I'm involved with and others that I've, I have been involved with loosely cannot believe how easy you have made this journey for us. They, their immediate thought is that if you've done these things, gone this way, you must be getting a lot of grief from the, you know, from the older people, from the mature, from those who've been around. And I have to say, actually, I get, we get no grief from them. We get more grief from others than we ever do uh, and so I commend you guys. I commend all of you who've got a few years on your back and have been with us for a while because um, um, I think you've already bought into that, that, that you know, our responsibility is to the future. So if things have to be different, if we have to learn to flow with that, then, then we learn to flow with it. So, so this has kind of been the, you know, the, the emerging thing of... Um, uh, and so in that context, it, it's, we, could, we could stay as we are, I could interpret it, as the rock and be blessed. Um, or we can go to where we're being led and, uh, and we can be a blessing. Uh, and so I think what, what has happened in us is that we have been moving towards and into and trying to embrace the thing of, uh, of not staying where we are in any way, shape or form but going, uh, going, going to become Q, going, going to the thought processes and, and beliefs and questions and understandings that we have come to, going to places like Salt Lake City and Wagga Wagga and wherever it is that we are needed to, to help process and move things in a direction that, that we have been learning and walking uh, and trialing so that others can, can glean from that. So... So we made the decision, we're not staying to be blessed, we're going to be a blessing. So lots of little things which, are, again, some I've told you, some I haven't, but just seem to be happening all the time, which I'm very grateful to God because it helps me. Uh, it helps me to realize that, that these are just little supernatural, didn't necessarily have to happen, but are very kindly happening just to say, 
you know, so, so when you read in the Bible, those of you who are familiar with it, um, you know, you'll hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Um, that has very much been the experience to, to many little things. You know, I, um, uh, in 15, 2015, again, that's questions, questions, questions in my own heart all the time. I arrive in Salt Lake, I'm coming off the freeway to <clears throat> the place that I'm saying, staying and there's a huge sign at my turn-off that says, York, it's time to get comfortable. So what's kept appearing is, is what I see as a, almost a conflict of interests. You know, does York, it's time to get comfortable, mean what the heck are you doing here? Get yourself back home because it's time to get comfortable. Or is, is York the wake-up and it's time to get comfortable, the message that says, listen, this is going to be part of your life. It's going to be the part of the way things go. <clears throat> so get comfortable because the two things are tied together. And of course, you know, you, you already know, uh, those of you who've been listening, that uh, the apartment block that we now have, the, the apartment that's going to be our base for what we do in Salt Lake, uh, how the show house there was called York. I mean, I, you know, Murray, Utah, how come your show house at the place where I put the random address into the sat-nav that said live here should be York. I mean, the, these things to me are too, they're just too, they're just too clear to, uh, you know, to, to miss. And I'm grateful to God for that. I'm very, very grateful to God for that. And I hope you are uh, too. So just another couple of little things and then, then I'll let Chris share a couple of... Uh, Things. Some tiny little things have been amazing. For example, uh, we went 29th of January because we, December, sorry, because we had arranged to take possession of this apartment, which of course I told you all the miracles of the bank account and everything else. And uh, we had miracles all, even going in, you know, to we now have something called global entry that gets us into the US uh, really quickly. It'll take us about three to five minutes going into the country instead of. 50 minutes to an hour and a half. Uh, that wasn't supposed to happen for six months, but a wonderful border guard, I said to him, you know, we've applied for global entry and, uh, you know, we have interviews coming up. He said, look, if you'd just like to take a seat over there, when I'm done here, I'll process you. So he did, you know. Little things like that have just been such an incredible uh, blessing of, of working past systems that would hold you up, you know, keep you back. Uh, but the other funny little thing was we, we knew we were going to have to move a lot of stuff. So, so I thought, I need a truck. <laughs> what I need is a truck. Not just so I could be properly American, you know, with a red truck. Um, but we need a truck. Now, in all of my travels, you know, those who travel regularly will know it's better if you use one airline, one, you know, one car rental place, because obviously you get you get your rewards for that. And I've used Hertz for years, partly because my flying with Delta gives me particular status with Hertz, so I use Hertz. I have never, ever, in probably 10 years of using Hertz, ever seen a truck offered to me when I look at everything that's there on the site to rent. Never, ever a truck. Until I said to Chris, I said, we really could do with a truck, I think. I went on that same night and I, uh, uh, I clicked on, I'd already got a vehicle reserved, I said, could do with the truck. Clicked on, said, give me options. What popped up first? A truck, a pickup truck. 
a red pickup truck, no less than, which I've never seen before, uh, and cheaper. So what was wonderful is it cost us less money, we had exactly what we needed, and it was a real lifesaver while we was there, was this truck to, to move things around. And uh, I've never seen one before, but uh, I'd also arranged a vehicle for our next trip in February, and I said to Chris, I think we could do with the truck, because there's a few more things we need to get. Lo and behold, the same truck is on this time. It's never been on in the history ever, but it's that little things like that have just been you know, the little miracles that God has just been doing to, to it's the favor upon our way, favor. Um, and so that, that favor helps me to feel that we keep going the way that we're going until such times as we really feel that's not it. So, um, uh, yeah, two more things I'll just say on that. One is, um, some of you may not understand the significance of Mount Olympus. Mount Olympus is the Greek mountain that was the place where the Greek gods live. So Zeus and Poseidon and all of those, Hercules. Um, and um, Mount Olympus is, is really the centre of, of Greco-Roman um, religious thinking. And we've said to you many times that... that so much of what is called Christian doctrine has been influenced by Greco-Roman thinking more than it has really Christ's teaching. Um, some of our authority structures and how we perceive God and who we think God is and how we think God's work looks more like the Greek gods of Mount Olympus than it does of the, you know, the Christ of, of, of Calvary or the God of Mount Zion. Uh, what fascinated me from the first time we went to Salt Lake City is that that the dominant mountain over the Salt Lake Valley is Mount Olympus. And uh, what's interesting is we have a place in Murray, which is 11 miles south of downtown Salt Lake, and Murray is directly in line with Mount Olympus. So we see it from, from the apartment. We can see Mount Olympus, which to us is very interesting because that's the whole part of our calling of what we're trying to deal with, what we're trying to address is this, is this contamination of the understanding of the character and nature of God that's been influenced by those kind of things. So all those sort of things have been interesting. I, I also told you that our apartment is right next to uh, what's called Artesian Springs Tower. And uh, this is, it's all built on reclaimed land. And it was an old dry cleaning plant that uh, left behind toxic chemicals and it cost, it cost tens of millions of dollars to remove the toxic chemicals from the soil. It was neglected and polluted, a 200-acre site. Uh, but now it's the home of, of a whole bunch of uh, townhomes and apartments, and they're throwing up apartments there like, like there's no tomorrow, all on this reclaimed ground that was neglected and polluted, uh, but has now become a place for people to live. And, and that also spoke to us that our whole purpose is is to deal with the pollution that's come into the understanding of the character and nature of God and the expression and the, the, the deformation of the more beautiful gospel that into that toxic ground we are, we are coming to, to bring something that builds something and creates community and life. So all of those things together all keep adding up. So uh, let me just give you one other thing. When we went to Scotts Bluff in 1986... 
which was part of, we've explained our journey and the two are cross-connected. I won't go into all that. Um, there was one scripture that, that um, I came across and was also prophesied and it just came to see, keep emerging. And, um, uh, and I'm proposing this to you just tonight again so that you have a, a clear understanding of I know what, what it is that I am called to, what it is I believe we're called to, and therefore what the expression of this house is. And this is that scripture in uh, Isaiah 58 and verse 11 and 12. This is what it says, The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. And then here's, here's what's going to happen out of that. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations and you will be called repairer of broken walls and restorer of streets with dwellings. And that really is our heart in what we're doing here, in what we're doing there, in what we're doing as a whole, is to restore some things, uh, restore streets for dwellings, repair broken walls, to, to re-establish the honour of who God really is and the more beautiful gospel. So, uh, yeah. So, I hope your heart's with us. I hope you're beginning to understand something of the context of this and will be with us and stand with us and pray with us. Because there are implications, obviously, that we can't be there and here at the same time. So when we're not here, this has to be what it is. And when we're there, we have to be what we are. And it's going to take team and it's going to take, you know. So, so we, we, we really need more than ever for all of you to find your place, find your role, find the little piece of the jigsaw that you can bring in that makes this work. Um, so that here or there, it's all working because um, one thing I do know is that, is that I, lost, I, lost the, uh, I lost the whole ego thing of wanting to build something that made my name great many years ago. You know, it dies, you get knocked out of you. You, um, you know, so that's not what I'm looking for. I want us. You know, what I like about this, it says your people will, right? Not you. Your people will. And, uh, and really, if I, we haven't accomplished anything. If Chris, we haven't accomplished anything. But if our people are rebuilding and making, then we do it. So we need you. We need you to step up. We need you to step out. We need you to exercise your faith. We need you to use your giftings. We need you to have faith and be sacrificial and make this whole thing work. Because I know that uh, as sure as we've kept seeing all these little pieces adding together, uh, there's nothing about the outworking of this that God will be surprised at because he's got it all figured and he wants to keep speaking to us and keep speaking to you and keep doing things that say, come on, it's okay, we're all in this together, you've got it, you're on the right path, this is going good. Here's my last thing. I have a number that um, I have had since 1988. It's very important to me. And uh, because it's very important to me, I can't even explain to you the full context because then you'd know the number that's very important to me. And, uh, but, but that number, which is, which is very strange, uh, is attached to the apartment that we have taken in a most remarkable way that if I could explain to you the full detail, I would, but I can't. Um, but... But if you knew the detail of that, you'd know the possibility of that happening in the way that it has happened. 
is in the is in the tens of thousands to one of likelihood of it even coming close to happening. But little things like that that are even very private that I can't share are so accurate and so on the ball that we know that God is with us. So, so uh, if you say, well, what does all this totally mean for the future? I don't know. We've just got a, we've just got a, a lamp onto our feet. And, uh, and we're just finding our way with that lamp to our feet and believing God and uh, knowing that God is with us. So, uh, I'm like Chris just come and share some thoughts on the journey. Hello. Isn't that awesome? It's great, isn't it? I'm so thrilled about it. Um, okay, there's just a few things I wanted to add um, from my point of view. Um, like Anne said, there's many things that have been happening that you can immediately say, or oh, that, you know, this is proof that this is right. Um, but I was saying to Jenny before, we aren't saying these things to try and convince you or, you know, to... Uh, reinforce uh, the choices that, that we are making um, because in all honesty once you've felt it in here you're going to do it anyway whether you feel that things are confirmed or not but it, it does help it does help to think oh that's interesting uh, and there's been a lot of those uh, that have happened like Hans already said um, and I see things obviously different than the, the Nanth does. Um, it doesn't take away, though, like Anne says, from the, from the nervousness of it all, because you, you are doing things that are just out there. You know, I mean, even arriving, you know what it's like when you go on holiday. You know, you arrive in a strange place. You've got to figure out where the shops are. You've got to figure where your, your, your main uh, facilities are. And you know you're only going to be there for a, for a couple of weeks, and you, you do it, but you don't know people. And... Um, you know, we've, we've gone there and we can honestly say we, we don't know people. And uh, so we have no helps in that sense, but we, we're trusting for it to, to unfold. And um, we did have a couple that came down from Ogden to help us empty this truck, uh, not truck, um, a pod, whatever you call it, that had been filled very kindly uh, with some stuff um, that was sent to us, you know, uh, furniture for the apartment. Now, I just want to cut in there and say, when we were in Scotts Bluff uh, back in 1986, uh, things happened totally differently. Because when we arrived there, we, again, we, we found this apartment and um, we had nothing. We had no furniture or anything. It was just absolutely empty. There was carpets throughout, but that was it. Had nothing. And um, we went on that first Sunday to the... Um, the, the church, meantime, we were stayed in a hotel because we had nothing, uh, no furniture in there. And when we got into this, uh, the church, um, this lady, uh, who was the secretary, she said, oh, she says, what, what, you know, where are you living? What are you doing? And we said, oh, we've got an apartment, but we haven't got any furniture yet. So we're staying in the Scots Bluff Inn. She says, oh, she says, come to my mother's house. She's got a basement that's absolutely full of furniture that will fill the whole apartment. Come and just take what you want. Now, that is miraculous, isn't it? Now, you, you, because we've had that experience, you can automatically assume that that's how it's going to happen this time. And so you're thinking, well, we'll arrive in Salt Lake, we'll get off the plane, and somebody will just 
look at us because they're waiting for somebody in a, a black coat or a red jumper or whatever. And they'll say, God's told me I've got to come and tell you that I'm going to provide all this. And, you know, you're thinking that can happen. And, of course, when it doesn't, you're thinking, okay, <laughs> what now? So when we went this time, um, it, it, and I'll go back to picking up the story of Bellingham, and I need a drink, please, too. Um, uh, Bob Nichols' son um, happened to be attached to uh, a hotel chain that had refurbished everything and allowed him to have all this furniture for charity. And so he said, what do you need? You know, uh, let us know and we'll put it in a pod and we'll ship it to you. Now, of course, we've not seen any of this. It's like, well, have you got a bed? Have you got some, a chest of drawers or whatever or, or, or whatever? And he says, yeah, he says, I'll, I'll, I'll fix you up. So when we went on the 29th, we'd arranged for this pod to arrive in Salt uh, Lake, a bit far out at one of these great big uh, container yards. I'm not kidding you. It must have spread the whole size of York. It was that big, you know. Where's our container? And there's thousands of them, you know. Anyway, um, we went on the 29th to, um, uh, not, yeah, we, no, yeah. We arrived on the Friday, and we thought we'd better go and check this this thing out. And, um, I mean, it was brilliant. We armed it up, and, of course, it's absolutely chocker with, with things. But sometimes you don't realise that when people are, are being kind, they might actually be creating another problem. Because, first of all, because it's from a, 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 a five-star hotel, it's not cheap stuff. It's actually solid. It's heavy. And there's me and Anne that have got to somehow get it. And isn't it miraculous that this apartment is on the ground floor? Although, even though it's ground floor, you've got to get it over a balcony, which means you've got to, you know, hulk everything up and over. So, anyway, what I'm really trying to say is that while when we went to Scott's Bluff, it happened one way, God provided in another but then when you're trying to be a good steward and you're wanting to watch the pennies and you're wanting to be careful how much you're spending, you, you realise that sometimes uh, it, it doesn't often work the way you want it to, to work. Um, because when we opened up all this stuff, we realised that um, there was a bed frame, but there was no lats. So if you put a mattress in the middle, it just fell to the bottom. So... But anyway, I know that sounds funny, but these are the, the things you're having to figure out. So what you're going to do anyway, let me rewind. On the, we arrived on the Friday afternoon and, uh, you know, we were a bit jet lagged and we found ourselves in bed at half past seven. And uh, so we got up uh, half past one in the morning and we hit Walmart and it was great because there's nobody in there. And there was just us with these trolleys picking up the, the things that we needed and then uh, we went and had breakfast, and then we went to, to mo the moment the stores were opening, like the furniture stores, and uh, would you believe we could actually buy a mattress and have it, get it, pick it up on the Monday, which it's rare that you can do that in, in England, isn't it? I mean, usually speaking, you have to order a mattress, and it's a few weeks, but we could actually pick one up by the... Uh, the the Monday, we see he had a truck, so we could literally... Otherwise, it was going to cost us another $80 to have this... Uh, thing delivered to us, but we had the truck, so yeah, it was great. Um, but um, when we went and bought this, this mattress, and this is what I really want to tell you, and I need a tissue, I'm sorry. Let me get a tissue. 
You've got to forgive me. I'm very emotional, you see, when I talk. Um, but when we went into this place to buy this mattress, and again, we didn't have time to go shopping around because this is Saturday. Um, it was New Year's Day on the, was it the Monday? Tuesday, we were moving in. So that's how quickly we were having to try and get this together. We didn't want to stay in the hotel any longer than we needed to because that's all added expense. And we train, honestly, I'm only saying this not to blow my trumpet, but we, we, we are trying to be good stewards and, and do what's right, not only with our time and investment, but with, with your investment because we, we, we really honour all that you're doing. Anyway, got this mattress and um, uh, we said, oh, well, while we're here, this is, a, this is a great big furniture store like you would not believe. And, uh, oh, well, while we're in here, let's have a look around and let's go and have a look at a, a telly. Because, you know, if we're going to have long hours here, we might as well have a, have a telly. And uh, we goes over, which must have been half a mile to the other side of this furniture store. And, oh, there was just, oh, hundreds of televisions. And you, you might think this is really weird, I'm telling this, but it mattered to me. Can you put the... the no, let me say first and then get ready to put this video on, okay? Because every single television was showing the same thing. And you can imagine, imagine it all the way around this room. It was literally unbelievable. And you put it on now because I want to... All it can do is wait for one to slip and fall. And we're talking sheer cliffs here. Look at this. But these youngsters are fast learners, and they're now almost as sure-footed as their parents. will have to find its meal elsewhere. Now, you might think that that's just weird, but if you remember years ago, we had a ministry on this, and it was about, the, the, uh, the, I think it's in Psalms 88 or something like that, and it says that he has made our feet to be like hinds feet on rocky places. And that has stayed with me for years, and when we walked into that place, and you can imagine that's all the way round, wall to wall, and when you look at that, it actually looks as though they're on flat ground. We're talking sheer faces, and they're jumping, and it was just utterly unbelievable for me. And what there was a, a, a carry on a little bit after that, after I took that off uh, YouTube, but then it says that what do you call him, that fella who Peter Attenborough. Attenborough, he says, the Ibex were born to do this. And um, that was just a little bit of an encouragement that we were in this position where we literally felt like our feet are on very sheer um, places. 
but it was we were being told you've been given uh, feet like like the hinds feet sure-footedness and able to to you know grip and what have you anyway i've got to carry on now because when we then we buy a telly and uh, get the telly home and i'm setting it up no it wasn't on that day because oh yes we did no it was after wasn't it but let's say move forward a couple of days after the tuesday that we moved in gets it out sets it up tunes it in guess what was on that very same clip and i don't mean when he'd set it up then we turned it on to sit down and watch he was just tuning it fine that was the very first thing that was on and i said I just can't believe this. What's going on? It was like, this is it. You have got those sort of feet that can actually uh, take that sort of uh, rocky ground. So anyway, we did finally get pieces of lats. We went to the shop, even though we were on the, the mattress on the floor for a few days. By, I think it was the day before we left to come back, we went to Home, uh, home Depot Home Depot, and we cut the lats to five foot exactly, 12 of them, and went and fitted it in this frame. And uh, what was interesting, we were going to throw this frame away because when you're not sure of what's being sent in this pod, you're sometimes thinking, is this stuff we've got, is it really going to work? Or what, would we be better just going and buying a bed base or what have you? And of course, you're looking at them, they're like $500, and you're thinking, ah, doing that you know I'll sleep on the floor I'm not doing that but as it happened in the end we were able to get these lats of wood and fix them ourselves and our our mattress got off the floor which was which was really very nice um so um let me think now so on the Tuesday we moved in and of course that was the day that um Ant had his uh, big accident um because he it had um visions of uh, do you remember when we moved all that furniture from Aviva some, some of you do, some of you don't, but I'll tell you what. I mean, Dave and Anth and, uh, and uh, Danny particularly, and James, you were wrecked, weren't you, because of how heavy that stuff was. And uh, that, that's what we had to face with this stuff. And he's, you know, carrying this uh, great heavy desk, which, incidentally, we thought they were sending this little glass top, glass, very light little desk, so that we had something to work from or even eat from, because we had no table or anything. So, uh, this great big thing, and then of course he had this, uh, this fall and uh, it put him out of action a little bit, but he was brave and he soldiered on. You were very brave, weren't you? Very brave. Right, okay, so on the, that was on the Saturday, uh, and we knew we were going uh, to church on the Sunday because we wanted to go up and see Ogden, the people there, because um, we, we, like Anth was saying, the only light that we've got at the moment is the step in front what do you do you, you you don't know where you're meant to be you don't know who you're meant to be reaching or talking to although we we feel very very much that where god has put us you know when there was the live here uh, over the apartments the the people in there are so lonely and you think well why would god be sending us all the way over there just to lonely people surely there's enough lonely people in our own city but you know, if that is what it's for, if, the, if somebody has been chosen in there for something special and we are meant to take the word to them, then we better just do as, as we told. But anyway, um, we went up to Ogden on the, um, on the uh, Sunday. 
yeah, it was like all one long thing at first because we couldn't sleep. We didn't, we couldn't get any rest because we were so jet lagged. So um, we went for the very early service, and it's like going as far as Scarborough, and uh, we we went for the 9:30 service there, and um, uh, you know we we were listening to all that was going on, and uh, then Matt comes out to preach, and he puts this picture up. Can you put the the, the burn the ships, please. And um, it was just quite remarkable. No, burn the ships. We can have that one as well, if you like. Should we talk about that one first? <laughs> no. Oh. Burn the ships. And we got it. Okay, it doesn't matter. So we, we, ended, we were in the church, and then Matt comes out to preach, and up, up on the screen goes this big... Uh, sign and it says burn the ships and he went on to talk about um, Captain Cortez Mexican uh, no uh, Portuguese captain who went to basically capture Mexico in 15 something or the 1590 or something and um, his story he was basically about, you know, making New Year's resolutions and how we're going to keep them and what's going to keep us on track and this sort of thing. But what really was uh, the story that he used was quite, quite amazing because the story goes that Mexico had failed to ever be taken in many, many centuries by anybody of a, a you know, military or naval uh, power. Um, and what happened was when Cortes arrived, he... Instead of taking his troops and immediately going to war, he basically encouraged all his military and he fed them and he encouraged them after a very long trip from Portugal. And then he said to them, he says, right, you're all wonderfully encouraged and you're fed and you're rested. He says, now what we're going to do is go and burn the ships. And you're thinking, whoa, <laughs> oh my. And uh, they said, well, what for? He says, because if we really intend on taking this land, there can be no way of escape or going back. And uh, of course, as he's saying this, I'm thinking, yeah, here we go. You know, this is the word. And, uh, you know, then he talked about what are the options that we keep open in our lives that allow that retreat? And it's a, it's a good question for us all, because we all like to keep little, uh, you know, things in the closet that we, we can decide to go back and get if we feel like it. And he, his encouragement was to um, destroy any options, uh, which I thought was just amazing for us. And then just a few days before, we'd been looking at uh, Facebook and there was a big, well, on the things that I follow anyway, they were talking about what would we call 2018, the year of, you know, is, is it the year of, you know, we had a year of hope. Um, what, what would you call it? And uh, there's, a, there's a, a way that people tend to find things that rhyme and it's all a bit twee and, and uh, nobody could come up with a good one. But anyway, Matt carried on in his, in his ministry and he, uh, he said, I think that uh, 2018 should be the year of Abraham. And I thought, oh, here we go. Because he was willing to leave his father's house and he was willing to go to a land that he didn't know anything about and he was willing to, by faith, you know. So you can imagine as I'm sat there listening to this and I'm thinking this is really quite um, on the money. And um, 
as, as this was sort of go, going into my heart, uh, I was reminded of the story that we used many years ago when we did the movie night uh, of Gattaca. Um, it's an old film and some of you probably won't have even, even heard of it other than what we showed that time. But the basic story goes, it's two brothers who were competing against each other and one always seemed to be the weaker of the other and it doesn't matter the reasons why, but one always seemed to be weaker. And they would set off swimming across a lake. And uh, for a while, they were neck and neck. And then the weaker one would suddenly realize he was getting tired. So he would stop and turn around in order to get back to the shore in order to protect himself. And that always made the stronger brother feel very much that I'm, you know, I'm the one. And, um, and then as the story goes on, they come to a point where they do this again. And uh, when it came to the spot where the, the, the weaker brother usually would stop and turn around, he kept going and he kept going and he kept going. And it was the, what appeared to be the stronger brother that suddenly lost his, his um, courage. And he stopped and he's thinking, what's going on here? He's carrying on and, and, and I'm the one who normally is, is beating him. And of course, at that point, he realizes that the, the, the brother who he thought was very weak had passed it, kept going, and, and he won. And later on in the film, it says, when I asked my brother, or when he asked me, how did I do it? His answer was this, I saved nothing for the return swim. And again, that's a line that stayed with me for many years because it's like, are you destroying the option? Are you burning the ship that would actually allow you uh, to go back? And he said to his brother, the reason why I won was because there wasn't a, any return. I was either going to do it or I was going to die, basically. He hadn't saved anything. He, he, the energy he had was only to win, not to get him back. And, and so that was all a, a, a very... Uh, wonderful encouragement um, for me, and um, okay. So then we we get we get moved in. We're in there and uh, filling the apartment, different things, doing stuff. And there's there's probably lots I I, I could tell you, but I'm not going to obviously tell you all. But back in March when we were there, and he, uh, Danny already put the picture up. Um, we were in a shop, just a little card shop, and I must admit I'm a bit of a um, a sucker for cards with, with sayings on them. I always think they're really interesting. And uh, there was one, can you put the, the leap and the net will appear, please? And uh, I, I took a photograph of this because, again, back in March, we were wondering what all this meant. Are we, are we aren't we, should we, shouldn't we, all of this? And, and I looked at this and it said, leap and the net will appear. Now, What's really interesting for me, and I know everybody has their own journeys, but you see where it says at the bottom, Zen saying. Now, if I'm honest with you, you know, 15 years ago, the very fact that that was a Zen saying, I would have rejected it. It would be like, no, that's not Bible. <laughs> you know, you can't have that. You can't have any truth to it. And yet, I looked at that and I thought, Do you know what? It's a Zen saying. But God's in this, life's in this, you know, wh whatever we want to call it, because everybody has a different way of expressing and, and, and verbalizing things. And that spoke to me. And so 
for a while now, that's been a little saying for us. It's uh, jump and the net will appear. But like Anthony said at the beginning, sometimes leaving go of one thing before you grasp the other, it's a, it's, it's a bit scary. Um, so let's just jump then to this last Sunday. Now you might say, what are you doing? You know, looking for church as well. Like I say, we're looking to connect and for basically God to show us who and why and what. And um, so we're looking on Google and we're looking at all the churches and, you know, going on their sites and having a little look. And it's very clear that, that what we are meant to be doing is certainly taking the message of a more beautiful gospel without doubt because everywhere you go you think to yourself oh this looks promising and we always find ourselves where you would have to say it's not very beautiful and uh, you listen for a while and you think oh yeah no this sounds all right and then it, it starts lovely and then it all veers off because what happens is you, you, you realize that they've got to seal the deal at the end to get people who are sat there to recognize that they're not what they ought to be. Seriously, that, that's how it is. So it's like, you know, this year, you know, 2018, uh, are you going to let go of your sin? Are you going to let go of all these things that are holding you in bondage? Are you going to let go and really be what God wants you to be? And um, the amount of condemnation that's then heaped on people and you're thinking to yourself it's finished <laughs> it's, I want to start, shout no you know it's finished and you think no just be good girl sit still and anyway we, th there was this church that we uh, found and it was called the Ecclesia so we thought we would go there because we thought the name sounded great and there's hope um, little did we know though that they called it the Ecclesia not because they have any understanding about what it means but the fact that any church in Salt Lake that's called church is automatically assumed to be Mormon. So churches that are not like K2, Rock, uh, Ecclesia, and, and many more, Grace Chapel, or whatever, they give them different names because they don't call them churches because the church is, the LDS is Mormon, which opens your eyes to a whole new thing that even... You know, there's, there's such a stronghold, even in the context of what they call church. So we went to, to Ecclesia. But what was lovely was um, we were immediately met by a, a lovely uh, young chap. And he came over, was very, very warm and, and welcoming. And um, he asked what we were doing there. And I'll tell you what, when somebody asks you a question like that, you're suddenly thinking, what are we doing here? What are we doing here? Come on, what are we doing here? You know, and you, you suddenly get all the little bits. Of, and so, you know, you draw on what you, because you, you, there are things you could say, but it's not going to go down very well, is it? You know, you, you could really dive into uh, some great uh, um, prophetic insights and they might never talk to you again. So, so you know, we, we just said, well, we're on a, on a pilgrimage, basically. We feel God's led us here. Um, but when you start actually looking at the whole issue of Salt Lake City, it is to say that it's that seat of such huge um, influence in the sense of religion. It's the least um, Christian, the least um, of all the states of America. It's the place where fewer people go to encourage people in, in something new. Because in essence, they feel it's 
it's a stronghold, so people don't go. Uh, and so when we said, oh, well, we just felt that, that God has uh, led us here. We mentioned about uh, how we'd been in Scott's Bluff and how that was like the middle of the journey and we'd learned things there and this is like bringing the journey to another place. And um, immediately uh, he just said, well, I really feel a, uh, that I'm meant to learn something from you and uh, would like, you know, would we get in touch? So when the service had finished, we gave, just went and gave him our telephone number on a piece of paper because you don't want to push yourself or anything or impose. It was just his own name and number. If you want to get together, you know, blah, blah, blah. The very following morning, we get a phone call inviting us for dinner. And uh, we had a, a most lovely time with them. Very open, lovely people. And what was nice, and I can't tell you all the, the specifics, but... After we'd spoken for a little while, again, being very careful to, to be, be just honouring of their, their invitation, he suddenly turns and on, on the wall, he had a, like a window frame with glass in. And, um, but it was a, like a picture, but it, it was like this window frame with glass in. And in the, each frame, he had written in red felt-tip pen, questions. Now, this is so, it makes you makes you go a bit goosey because he suddenly turned he says I have questions and they're all written in red felt tip pen on the glass and it's all the things that we have struggled with over the years and he was saying what do you do about that what do you what do you think about that and we're saying oh that's gonna we, we need to get together to you know you can't answer that in a <laughs> In a second, but yeah, with a great question. We, we've asked those questions, and yeah, sure, we, we'd love to help you. So that was really, really lovely. But as I say, to, to see the red felt-tip pen written on the glass, the questions that he's been asking was really quite, quite... He'd written it. Literally, they were written on this window. And if you know what I mean, it wasn't a window. It was a, an old window frame that was on the wall with the glass in. Um, so... Uh, right, on the second, again, you might not think that this is very uh, important, but it was to me. We moved into the apartment on the second. We'd only arrived on the Friday, remember, and on the second, the Tuesday, we literally moved in. And uh, on that morning, um, Mr. Monson, who is the big prophet, president prophet of all the Mormons of the world, he died. And it's really quite weird because you think to yourself, heck, how, you know, coincidental, yes, I know, I'm not reading it into more than that, but it's like one thing ended and we've, we arrived. And, and, and uh, Paul uh, Widmark, one of the guys that we, we've met up in Ogden, he just says, isn't that interesting? He says, you moved in and he moved out. And, and it was like, whoa. Now, they are actually more that way inclined to think those things. Oh, you know, almost it's ordained of God. He's moved out, you've moved in. I don't think like that anymore. But it is an interesting piece of information. Now, the thing was, he was laid in state uh, on Thursday night this week, and his funeral was on Friday. We came on Wednesday, and I said, "Now nah, this isn't right. I need to stay another day. I wanted to go, <laughs> I wanted to go and see it. Apparently 30,000 people um, were at his, his funeral. 
And the guy who's taking over is 93, would you believe? Because they don't, they don't put in somebody who's younger uh, or whatever. It's the next in line. So the way that they lead everything is uh, just totally by structure and um, hierarchy. And so the guy who's taken over is 93. And uh, that's quite interesting, isn't it, that that should happen uh, on literally the day that we moved in. Um, what else did I want to say? Was there anything else? Oh, yeah, Ecclesia. Just put the picture up of that, and then I'll, I'll finish. Right, so when we, the E at the bottom stands for Ecclesia. And I took this picture for a few reasons. Um, I like that what they're saying. We exist to see Salt Lake City saturated. I like the fact that it was orange. I did. I thought, come on, let's have some orange. Um, with the good news of Jesus. And um, there's one big thing like that at either side. And, um, and yet, what was sad, the news wasn't very good. It wasn't good news. And um, like, like I said a few minutes ago, what seemed to be really the, the pushing thing was one of holiness and uh, sanctification which everybody was getting quite a beating to say what you weren't rather than what you were. And, you know, I'm thinking that's the difference, isn't it, between what we call the more beautiful gospel, um, recognising what we already are, not what we're meant to be, you know, accepted as we are. So um, was there anything else I had or was that it? Oh, yeah, and I just took a picture of the Artesian Spring because I, I felt that this was... That lights up at night and it's beautiful and it changes colour all the time, Artesian Springs. Now, when Anth mentioned that, um, about what he could see, he says from the hotel, he could see that and he could see the state building. So it's the government building and then this ground that used to be toxic that now is this place where we've got an apartment. So basically, we're about 50 yards from that. Now, what's interesting, you know, I said at the beginning how you have to sort of um, navigate a place to find out where you are. It's funny, the few times I've been, I've gone down the same roads, but they just haven't registered. It's like, where on earth am I? I, I really don't know where I am. And what you recognised is where this... this um, uh, big tower is and where our place is, was, is literally just down the street from this hotel. It's hardly, you know, you can see it. It's not as if it's miles away, but because we kept coming to it from a different road, we thought we were like in a different suburb or what have you. It's actually right there. And when we come out of the end of our street, we, our street, our street, it's our street, our house, <laughs> our street, and you turn to the left immediately. And I didn't realize this was the case because I'd always come to it from the other side. You're literally on State Street, and as you pull out and turn to the left, there is the government, there it is. And every time you go towards the city, you're literally looking at it. And what you see, the two landmarks, are the government building, and this, and it is really quite powerful because you're saying, yes, one government, which is one of, of, of um, I, I don't want, I say, I'm, I'm really concerned that you don't want to go to somebody, uh, sorry, I'm, I'm, 
You're not wanting to pull down people's long-term held beliefs. That's not what we're doing. And if people want to, to keep what they've got and they're happy with what they've got, that's great. But there's a lot of people who are incredibly oppressed just like they are here with what they've been handed and where they're looking for hope, all the given is, is more bondage. And I said to Anthony a while ago, and, and, and I am a bit of a, a bolshy person at times, and he said, you know, about going. I said, I'll tell you one thing I won't do. I'm not going somewhere else to invite people to come out of one form of bondage just to go into another. And, you know, I put my hand on my heart and say I, I, I'm going to honour that because if we're going to do anything it's to actually say there's a there's a, a, a better description there's a better view there's a there's a better characteristic that you can connect with and be okay now Anne's mentioned a, about a guy who he'd spoken to and he'd said that he'd love to believe what we were saying but he just didn't because if you've hold on to something that says if you don't do this, this, and this, then you're in serious uh, danger of hellfire. Imagine what it's like to be told, actually, you can let go and it's going to be okay. It's like, well, I'm not going to chance it. So they stay in the bondage just in case. And you recognize how many people are living in that level of bondage. And so I'm going to close by saying this. If we really truly believe that we've received a more beautiful gospel, then come on, let's live it out. Let's show it. Let, let's share it. Let's encourage. Let's, yeah, just, just shine our faces to say, yes, we, we really are living in the freedom for which Christ died. And uh, everything that we're doing, whether it's our move to Q, which is obviously Quest, the, the quest is carrying on, whether it be in, in, in York or whether it's in Salt Lake or where, wherever. It's the quest for what? It's that quest um, for a new world. And that new world has got to be one where uh, people are free and uh, not bound by uh, uh, religious um, chains. Is that the right way to put it? So I might have missed some stuff, but is that all right? Is that, is that Okay. Oh, can I just say one thing? I do get very torn, so if I can ask for you to think about me at times, because I don't do the being away and, and thinking about what the needs are here. I'm not good at that, because I really take my responsibility very, very seriously. And uh, so when I get on a plane and it's, oh, this is lovely, we're going to have an adventure, I can be just... I can be in a right mess. Now, I'm not somebody who's going to let that be seen fully, but I can be in terrible ter turmoil inside. And uh, so while we've agreed and we're trusting God for all that, that's, that's coming, it doesn't mean to say that it isn't done without that struggle. And when all's said and done, are we, am I a bit willing to believe that this is part of my journey to get rid of some of that? Because that maybe is what I need. So anyway, I'm done. Thank you very much Super. so any any questions anybody want to ask a question anything you'd like clarifying so we're happy to do so all this is very open and and we're very happy about it so y'all happy good if it was an auction I'd be putting the gavel down then Okay, um, 
so, like Chris said, you know, there are things like, I know she gets more anxious than me because I've always been more prophetic-driven for the, the next thing, but she, she's always anxious for, well, we're going away, and what about, and we ought to, and what if, and, you know, so please um, pray for us in, in all of that. Um, also, for all the miracles that we need for this to work in the long term, keep confessing. I'm going to say keep confessing rather than praying because often if we say, will you pray, um, we're kind of asking God for something that we don't think we have rather than confessing what we know God has for us but we haven't yet seen. So please be confessing all the provision and everything else we need. And also health. It's interesting when, when we were called to go to Scott's Bluff in 86, I was really ill for... 18 months before that, but knowing that God had told us what we had to do, I needed a real healing, and, and I got a very specific and particular um, healing, and, uh, and we need that now. Chris has to have a scan next week, um, which is all interesting coming up at this time. Um, uh, two weeks today, I have to get a hole drilled in my head for a, for a bone-anchored hearing aid. Um, so just don't tell the doctors because I should have been in a lot earlier. And, um, and when I said I've got to go away, they said, oh, and it's like, well, you know, I couldn't do the first one because we were already away. Oh, you'll have to go to the bottom of the list again. So I thought, I'm telling them now. So I get my head drilled on Wednesday and we fly out to, to Salt Lake the following Monday. But I'm not telling them till after I'm there. So... Don't worry about that, Jan. Be right enough. Be right enough. Um, yeah. So, uh, you know, just pray for us. We, God is with us, and these are all little things along the way, and uh, we are not going to let them discourage us or dissuade us or, or stop us, you know. The work of the kingdom must be done, like Jesus said. You know, we, I'm about my father's business. So we are believing for health and strength and, um, and everything else that goes with that. So I hope, I hope that's um, not being too imposing tonight and helpful to you just to kind of get a feel for what we've been up to and how this thing works together and ties together. And, uh, and then on Sunday, got the right day, on Sunday at four, we'll... Uh, We'll begin the connection here with all that that uh, journey entails and we shall move forward and hopefully touch many lives with, uh, with the more beautiful gospel. So let's just give thanks. Father, I just want to express gratefulness to you for your very kind and generous leading in this whole process and for uh, being a lamp to our feet and sometimes a light to our path. And um, I just pray that there will be a spirit of faith in the house, that um, we just won't be also runs, that we won't be just people who are repeating the same old things over and over again, but that in that spirit of faith, we, we will move something forward in our generation, that we'll make a sound that's not being heard, that, that something that, that, that means something in the bigger picture of not preserving the past but actually creating the future will emerge out of this house and out of us we 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 a small like Bethlehem was small 
But your promise was that Bethlehem, you're not the least of the princes of Judah. Out of you is going to come a ruler who will govern my people Israel. So out of us, out of our smallness, out of what we are, we, we offer ourselves that significance will be the consequence of our endeavor to walk in faith in your purpose and, and to shout out this more beautiful gospel. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, thanks again for being here and we'll see you all on Sunday.